Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Matt Filipovich, joined tonight by my phenomenal co-host, Mr. Bill DeFilippo. And Bill, usually I ask how you are, or how are you? I don't know what the proper grammar is. But there's been a question floating around on TikTok right now about the Roman Empire. I'm not going to ask you about it. <laughs> but Bill, what is your... I don't think you're a Roman Empire guy, although you are Italian. But what is your like weird fixation? Ooh, that is... That is a really good question. Um, I have mine ready. See, Do you need time to think? I was, I was hoping you would ask me about the Roman Empire because I would make a uh, <laughs> a joke about Roman Reigns' time as the WWE Universal Champion. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm a very rocks for brain person, so I will just okay. like I just kind of hop from one thing to the next, from Penn State to Manchester City, to whatever music I like at a given time, to professional wrestling. So I don't necessarily have, like, one thing that I keep coming back to over and over. It's just kind of like a jumbled mess of nonsense up there. What about yourself? Uh, I think you know mine pretty well, Bo. I think you know I'm a, I'm a pretty big Scooby-Doo fan. Yeah, um, yeah. That's like the, I think there's a clip of Matthew Lillard, who this is also phenomenal content for the Northwestern preview. There's a clip of Matthew Lillard in the first Scooby-Doo movie where it shows how he had to act with like basically a pinata of Scooby-Doo. And like, it's the most impressive piece of acting I've ever seen. It should have won an Oscar. It's unbelievable how great that footage is. But I will happily slack that over to you because it is amazing. I, you, I, I'm not certain I will remember to watch it. But if I do, I'm excited to. <laughs> I'm excited to check that out. Uh, but yeah, I've, I, I've been waiting for the day that some sort of men think about the Roman Empire thing finally made it onto the podcast. And I'm, I'm glad it happened today. Well, we are here today to not only discuss Scooby-Doo, Rocks for Brains, and the Roman Empire, we are to discuss the M the Purple Rain, there we go, how about that, of the Northwestern Wildcats up there on the North Shore in the Chicago suburbs. Penn State is coming to Evanston, Illinois this weekend to take on the 2-2 two and two Northwestern Wildcats. Wildcats are having a bit of a weird season, obviously Pat Fitzgerald is gone, they've beat Minnesota last week because P.J. Fleck forgot how to coach football. Uh, and now here we are with game five of the year for Penn State. It's going to be a 12 o'clock Eastern, 11 a.m. local time kick at time of recording. I believe it's like almost a four touchdown spread at this point. It opened at like 24 and it's eked up to, I think, around 27, Bill, is what I'm seeing it at right about now. So, but Bill, before we jump in, I, you tell me we have a question that a listener sent in. Is this correct? Yeah. So it's a thing that uh, Nick has mentioned a few times. There's a feature on Spotify uh, where you can send questions in uh, for, for us to answer on the podcast. Obviously, you could do that on our Twitter account. If you are active over on Twitter, but you could also do this on Spotify. It gives us a little extra stuff to talk about other than the usual mundane Penn State stuff. It's especially important for this uh, next week as Penn State's buy is coming up and we're going to be uh, looking for stuff to potentially talk about there. But uh, the one that we got right here on my phone uh, comes from Patrick Jurowitz, who said, hey, guys, love the podcast. Thank you, Patrick. That's a very, very nice thing Thank to you, say. Thank you, Patrick. I am interested to hear your thoughts on James Franklin's belief in his fourth down offense. I feel like he was bold and attempted slash converted more fourth downs against Iowa. And statistically, Patrick is correct. Uh, Penn State went four for four on fourth downs uh, against Iowa this past week. Matt, 
What are your general thoughts on Penn State's fourth down offense? Do you think something feels different about it? Do you think last week something in particular uh, felt different about it? Because I think so, and uh, I, I want to hear your reason before I say why. So I think there's three things. Number one is that the Eagles invented, not invented, but discovered a cheat code in the NFL to where a first down is an automatic first down in short yarded situation. I mean, we see all the time. I mean, look at the T formation. It's popping up everywhere. Like coaches are influenced by what's working no matter what level. So that's one. Two is Drew Hours 6'5", 240. He's, it's very easy for him to fall forward for a yard. And third, and I think the most important part of this, Bill, is that especially against Iowa, it was a very gross, very disgusting, rainy day. And Penn State's kickers, I still don't think, have the full confidence of Penn State and James Franklin, especially now that they feel confident they can fall forward for three extra feet. So that's kind of where I come in on this. I just think that Franklin wants to be more aggressive always. Every football coach wants to be as aggressive as they possibly can. But just the, between the pouring rain, the quarterback that lets you do it, and the kicking game still having those battle scars from West Virginia, I just think that all three of those factors played a really big reason into why Penn State went for it pretty much every time on fourth and short against Iowa. So I basically think that was part of... Uh, part of the game plan was just get us in those situations where we could potentially go for it. And I think their play calling in these situations was pretty telling. And not just the play calling in those situations, but uh, what they called on the third downs before that. Penn State converted four fourth downs. All of them were fourth and ones. Uh against Iowa. The first one was a third and came all the back of a third and uh, seven from the Penn State 42. Drew Aller completes a pass to Liam Clifford, a short gain that eventually set up a fourth and one where Aller was able to run and pick up the first down. The second one, a third and three from Iowa's 32. They handed the ball off to Singleton and they ran it. Third down, you expect maybe to have all of the playbook. You decide to run it. That tends to be a bit of a tell that you're going to try or, or on a third and short that you might go for on a fourth down. And the next play, fourth and one, Iowa 30, Penn State ends up going for it, uh, ends up getting a first down. Third and four uh, from the Iowa 12, Singleton runs the ball. Fourth and one they go for, and that's obviously Aller's touchdown pass uh, to Khalil Dinkins. And then one final fourth and one in there. Uh, they have a third and five to start the uh, fourth quarter, run it for four yards with Singleton, fourth and one, Hour plows forward, picks up the first down. And I say all that to say this, I do think a big part of it when it came to just Iowa was the game plan. It was, we know we're going to have four downs. We know that our game plan is going to be uh, kind of what we talked about in the lead up uh, to it, Matt, that Penn State was going to try and churn it uh, Penn State was trying to make sure they weren't doing anything especially crazy out there, just taking what they got. And they went, we can get three, four yards every single time. Fourth and one, if we can get three, four yards, we're obviously going to get the first down. We're going to go for it. As for a more philosophical thing, I think the Iowa game was just kind of, uh, you know, it really sticks out because they went four for four. But the thing is, James Franklin has generally been a coach who tends to like to go for it on fourth down, depending on the situation. Back in 2000 and uh, 
2021. No, sorry, 2020. Uh, we'll go back to the 2020 season. Penn State was 25th nationally uh, in fourth down attempts. They went for it 22 times. They converted 11 for a 50% clip. 2021, Penn State uh, was 42nd nationally, went for it 26 times, converted 12. That's a 46.1% clip. Uh, last season, Penn State 30 times, 21 times successful, 70% clip. That was 26th nationally. And this year, uh, Penn State finds itself 32nd nationally. So I think, Matt, this is just kind of what James Franklin likes to do if he finds himself in that situation, regardless of his kicking situation, just if he finds himself in a spot where it's advantageous to go forward on fourth down. And I just think the Iowa game, and again, interested in your thoughts here, was an, a bit of an extension uh, on how he normally likes to do things because they found themselves in so many advantageous situations with how things played out in the game. Yeah, Bill, I guess I kind of was just thinking more in like the, the context of just the Iowa game more so than like a general philosophy for him as a whole. But like, I can definitely see them sticking with the T formation, you know, which granted didn't really work that well against Illinois and with this new QB sneak against teams like, like your Michigans or your Ohio States. But like, this overall philosophy to keep going forward on fourth down, I think is going to apply to like Northwestern, UMass, Indiana, and those games where I think Penn State's just really going to value holding onto the ball yeah. and staying and, and, on the field as long as possible. And, and one so, thing I think with the T formation is we don't think of it okay. like this, um, but that's a triple option formation, right? You could run it with the left running back yes. uh, yeah. and have him follow a caravan of blockers past the right side if you were just viewing it this way left running back to the right side left right running back to the left side there are two options and the third option is the quarterback sneaking it and the way you think about that as three options is Aller is standing there before the snap looking at where they are overloading guys if they're putting everyone they can in between the two guards and the center in an effort to stop him from sneaking it. He then just has to look side to side and figure out where he's handing it. Or if they're trying to take away that sort of thing. I mean, Hunter Norzad, I believe has been their offensive player of the week. Uh, first he was against Illinois. And I believe the entire offensive line was last week, the past two weeks, you could just follow him right through the center of that line. So they have multiple options out yeah. of that. Look before you get to, you know, before you get to the, like, want to throw out of it, want to do anything else, just those three things, you can pick your poison and whichever one you determine is the best before the snap, especially with the aspect, Matt, of our being able to seek the football, you can get a first. If it's a fourth and one, maybe a fourth and two, depending on the situation, you can get a first down almost whenever you want out of that. Oh, yeah, which is, again, the Eagles are proving that to be, like, a true cheat code. So not a, not a bad place to be for Penn State to have those kind of options on fourth down. But, Bill, first of all, thank you for the question. Uh, that was awesome. Um, please keep those yeah. coming. And then, Bill, let's kind of shift focus now into Northwestern as a whole. Like we said, 2-2 two and two on the year. I believe they're 1-0 and in the Big Ten, I think. No. 1-1. 1-1 in the Big Ten. They played Rutgers week one. So, better than last year so far. They've won a game in America, so that's exciting. Bill, what are your overall thoughts on Northwestern? It feels like a team that is playing really hard for each other. I think there's a lot of value in that, but this this might end up being the worst team in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly up there. I believe that entering this week, they are uh, the worst Big Ten team in SP+. They're at 93rd. A uh, couple of other Power 5 teams are below them in that metric, but I believe they are 
the worst of the bunch in the Big Ten. Uh, yep, yeah, Quickskin tells me. Quickskin tells me that it's them, and then uh, the uh, closest to them is Indiana, which is 85th in SP plus eight spots ahead of them. So, uh, tough team to get a much of a read on. It is amazing how much of this season just kind of feels like as an outsider, this season doesn't matter uh, with David Braun getting promoted to interim head coach following Pat Fitzgerald's ouster. And it feels to us, Matt, like it doesn't matter, but like, it's very hard for me to say that on the heels of them really gritting their teeth and making up a 31 to 10 fourth quarter deficit to come back and at home and defeat a Minnesota team that I think is probably decent at in overtime. So I, I, I don't have a great read on them. I think they are probably not an especially good football team. But I don't think you win a game like they won last week unless you have some heart. And at the bare minimum, like it sounds, it, it can sound patronizing uh, saying that. But at the bare minimum, that that's that really is something. All things considered, for them to hang their hats on uh, as they enter the Big Ten portion of their schedule. Yeah, and and there's always danger in the Big Ten. Like the good news is the forecast for this week looks absolutely gorgeous. Like it's going to be a beautiful day in Evanston. So like. It won't be that sloppy game that we saw, you know, last year when Northwestern came to Happy Valley in, like, the remnants of a tropical storm. So that's the good news. Like, Penn State is clearly the better team, so they just have to go out there and execute their game plan, and I feel pretty good. And, Bill, let's start by taking a look at the Penn State offense against this Northwestern defense. The Penn State offense, again, only offense in football, in FBS football, without a turnover so far. They, I believe they're also number one in time of possession. Mm-hmm. Bill, I think against Northwestern, we're going to see a shift. I don't think Penn State's going to try to grind this one out, you know, partially because 11 a.m. local time kick, that's a that's a tough thing to do. I think it's really hard to go out there and be that focused for four quarters. Do you foresee this being the kind of game where the big plays can finally return? It, it's tough because... I think that is something that Penn State needs to really spend the next two games focusing on because mm-hmm. they've gotten through what is theoretically the trickiest like stretch of or, or, or the most confusing stretch of their schedule because we now actually know mm-hmm. stuff about this team and a concern that I have, and a lot of this might just be related to the fact that Trey Wilds isn't there. Last two games, Drew Aller, 6.3 yards per attempt against Illinois, 4.5 yards per attempt against Iowa. Katron Allen, 4.2 yards per attempt against Illinois, 3.4 yards per attempt against Iowa. Nick Singleton, 3.4 yards per attempt against Illinois, 2.9 yards per attempt against Iowa. I just want to see them build on what they've done the last couple of weeks and start to show big plays, intermediate plays, whatever you want to say. Like, I don't need Penn State's offense going out there against a Northwestern defense that isn't great, but 71st in defensive SP plus better than, uh, you know, probably a little bit better than uh, you might have expected coming into the season. I just want to see them go out and have a professional 
take care of your business performance. No making it so it's halftime and it's only 10-7 Penn State and you're a little bit confused. I just want to see them go out there and impose themselves. And if that turns into being able to answer the big play question that does exist, James Franklin thinks that exists, so the question does exist, I think that would be a really good thing. But if the, I would say this, Matt, and I want to hear your thoughts. If we can't see Penn State generate big plays in this game, I'm going to start being really, really concerned. As Even if in a win, as I think about Ohio State and Michigan. What about you? I think, I think yes. I, th- I don't think I'll be... How do I want to word this? I think the alarm bells will start going yeah. off. Will start going yeah. off for me. Like it feels like Villanova 2021, where they didn't dominate that uh, FCS team. It's like similar vibes to that. Okay. Like if they can't hit explosive plays against nor- Northwestern defense that ranks a hundredth in yards per play allowed, that's going to be a problem. So Trey Wallace did play a good chunk of snaps last week. Amari Evans did as well. Neither one did a lot in the stat sheet. But this is the kind of game, I think, where you can bring them back into the fold. Keandre Lambert-Smith is your big play threat. He's going to get his. But now it's time for Dante Cephas, Caden Saunders, Liam Clifford to go out there and rip off those big 30-yard receptions. And then for Catron Allen and Nick Singleton, I feel pretty confident one of them is going to break a big big run this week. Uh, I think that's definitely going to happen. I think either Singleton or Allen are finally going to hit that lane. I think it's game five. They're settled in by now. The offensive line is really finding a groove. They have seven guys who I think are really talented. So if they don't hit it in this environment in really perfect weather against a Northwestern defense that, while is better than we expected, still isn't great, then I think we can start really starting to worry. Like, again, I made the point last podcast that, like, we're a third of the way through through the season already. We have enough games under our belt now where we have to start making assumptions and have to start making, you know, forming our own informed opinions on this team. And if they can't get, what do you think, they'll five plays of 20-plus yards? Does that feel like too much? I, I don't necessarily want to put a number on it just because if they go out there, mm-hmm. they hit three of them, and next thing you know, it's 21 nothing, and they put the they decide to pull the handbrake a little bit and just go into, right. we're going to see this one out mode. Like, I'm not going to hold that against them. I just want, I just want things to look easy, right? That's what you want mm-hmm. out of a great team. You want things to look easy, especially considering the first Big Ten road game thing is out the window, and their second Big Ten mm-hmm. road game is in almost the exact same environment only this one is going to be a lot quieter and a lot more sleep or at least they're expecting it to be that compared to when they played against illinois a lot more penn state fans there you would think yeah yeah so i am i definitely think that do you have a guy in particular bill that you're looking to make a big play who's not you know keandre lambert smith i drew aller like i i'm i'm looking to drew aller to make big play like i want to For how great it has been not seeing him turn the ball over, for how smart he's been about taking what a defense gives him. Matt, you this was your thing all offseason. All the offseason long. He's the five star. He's this, he's this, he's Mm -hmm. this. He show he's shown flashes of that. He showed that in the West Virginia game, and he hasn't really shown that since. And I'm not saying that as a critique of him because I do think that has been a bit by design. But 
if Penn State's going, now that they've gotten that first month out of the way, now that they've gotten that first road game out of the way, that first game out of the way, that game against the number one defense in the country out of the way, it's time for this offense to start making this next step. And how do they make that next step? By Drew Aller going out there and being the five-star. And this is an opportunity for him to go out there against a not great defense, but one that's going to be playing with a little bit of pride and show off the arm talent, show off what he has between the ears, show off all of these things before we go two more weeks before seeing him play football again. So I'm looking at Drew Aller. I want to see him push the ball down the field a little bit more instead mm -hmm. of going, all right, six, seven, eight yards. I'm just going to take that all day. I want to see how he can – I want to see, since we haven't seen that a ton since that West Virginia game, how he is able to mm -hmm. do that as the season has gone along, as there's been a little bit more put out there about him. And as we've started to build up this narrative of – the big plays aren't there in Penn State's offense so far this year. I'd almost rather see him, like, chuck a deep ball and have it be picked off than not in this game. Like, I want to see, first of all, I want to see how he bounces back from a pick, as cool as it would be to go a whole season without an interception. I am going to bet a lot of money on anybody to not do that. Yeah. That's just impossible to do, I think. Uh, and also, I think that that's going to show that okay, Aller at least saw something that made him feel comfortable taking a deep shot. And again, we really haven't seen that in about a month at this point. So that's, that's yeah, I think Aller's a really good pick there. It's a bit outside the box for yeah. what I was going for, but I definitely see what you're saying. So, and Bill, th speaking of, I didn't expect to do this now, but I have a good transition. Jesus. Speaking of things outside the box, do you know what you could pull out of a box, Bill? I was going to say, isn't this more things that come in a box? Well, it comes in a box. You could take. It well, it's out not of a even box. not even a box. I I believe they they sent them in like the first class USPS like package, uh, like like oversized envelopes types of thing. But not, neither here nor there. Just keep talking. We are talking, of course, about our podcast sponsor, Home Field Apparel. Of course, you know about them by now, but on the off chance you have not heard of Home Field Apparel, they make some of the coolest collegiate apparel in the marketplace today. Crewnecks, hoodies, sweatshirts, they have pretty much every FBS and FCS team under the sun, and they are always adding more. They have a great Penn State collection of about 28, it might be 29 items now after the most recent drop for the Iowa game. They also have Northwestern, they have Iowa, and they make sure they go out there and they find unique designs that are going to make you say, wow, I have not seen that anywhere else but homefieldapparel.com. So our listeners can use get 15% off their first order with promo code RLR23. Again, that's 15% off your first order with promo code RLR23. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. And Bill, Penn State's defense is pretty good. They're, they're not bad. Iowa's offense, 101st nationally in total offense. Running attack, it's 98 yards per game, <coughs> which I think is... Um, I'm not one to ever say, don't be mean to an opponent, but you just said this was Iowa's offense. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Yeah, oh, apologies so sorry, apologies Northwestern. to Northwestern football. That's, so that would be, that's, that's mean. Uh, I, saw, I saw the zero in the 101 and I just automatically <laughs> went to Iowa. Um, Northwestern's offense is 101st nationally. They're rushing offense. They're averaging 98 yards a game. I think Penn State's allowed fewer than that in the last two games combined. 
Passing game, not bad. Ben Bryant, Cincinnati transfer, he can sling the pill. He's a, he's a pretty decent quarterback, especially by, by Big Ten West standards in 2023. Uh, scoring is in there at 90th nationally, so nothing too crazy. And they've allowed a lot of sacks already. It's 11 through four games. And I think one of them was against an FCS opponent, and one of them was against UTEP. So... That's not the best offensive line, and they've also allowed 24 tackles for loss total. Bill, for a Penn State defensive line especially that feels like they really hit their stride last week, how do you hope this team goes out there and attacks a Northwestern offensive line and Northwestern offensive attack that is fine, but I think maybe going to end up being one of the worst yeah. three Penn State plays all yeah, year? Yeah, they're, they're 110th nationally in... Uh, in offensive SP+. Plus. You look at the stats on the offensive side of the football, uh, they are towards the bottom of the Big Ten in total yards per game. They are relatively high, one, two, three, sixth in passing yards per game, but dog ear that really quickly, and last in rushing yards per game with 98 uh, points. Again, kind of middle-ish uh, of the road in that that includes scoring seven points against Rutgers and scoring 14 points against Duke. But the two road games, they've been better at home, uh, but they they pummeled UTEP and then, of course, had last week against Minnesota. And part of the reason they're passing... Which went in overtime, yes, so the score over. is a bit inflated due to overtime. Part of the reason their passing offense looks nice like that or relatively nice like that, you know, you put the raw numbers right there, is because they are trailing so much that they have to throw the football a lot. Ben Ben Bryant is 101st nationally uh, in, uh, in QBR. You look at their passing offense, they're throwing for about the same, uh, the exact same number of passing yards per game as Penn State. They are just much worse in passer rating because they're kind of chucking it all over the place uh, and hoping for ho- hoping for the best there. They are 85th nationally in team passer rating. So what I think is going to end up happening, or what is going this game is going to lend itself to, Matt, is that Northwestern is going to fall behind. I think it's going to look a bit like the Illinois game where mm-hmm. there are going to be drives where they just get into a rhythm. They play very, very fast. I believe they're one of the faster. They're tempo-like. Yeah. They're tempo-like tempo campaign. I think they're yeah, top 20, wild. top 25 or so in the country uh, in seconds between plays. or It's something like that. But they run a lot of plays, and they try to run quickly, which means they try to get you on your heels quickly. So that happens once or twice a game. They get a scoring drive or two out of it, maybe even three score, like that kind of thing. But you look at some of their other numbers – they are 111th in sacks allowed. They are 74th in tackles for loss allowed. They get to, th- they have a decent third down percentage. They're 29th nationally in third down conversions. They're 29 for 61. They're at about 47%. So what I think this game is probably going to turn into is anytime they try to run the ball, uh, Cam Porter is a nice running back. He's a 4.1 yards uh, per attempt. They're going to try to get the ball in unique ways into the hands of uh, former Michigan wide receiver A.J. Henning. They're going to try and do some stuff running it, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But when they drop back to pass, Ben Bryant, a very well-traveled quarterback, started at Cincinnati, went to Eastern Michigan, went back to Cincinnati, is now at Northwestern. Not much of a threat with his legs. I think if Penn State— That's a lot of time in the Rust Belt. Yeah. Three different states in the Rust Belt in the college career. Interesting. 
So I think they're going to try and they're, they're basically going to put this game on Ben Bryant. He has, he's been sacked 10 times this season, six touchdowns, three interceptions, 5.9 yards per attempt. He's able, he's been able to hit a couple of big plays. Bryce Kurtz has a long of 80 yards uh, on a play this year. Joseph Himmon, the second has a long of 85 yards. Maybe they end up trying to throw in uh, their back quarterback a bit. Jack Lausch, who's a little bit better with his legs for some stuff, but generally I think this is an opportunity, Matt, for Penn State's defense to go out there and dominate. You said six touchdowns passing on the year, Bill? Yeah. Half of those came either in the fourth quarter or overtime of their game against Minnesota last week. Doesn't surprise so me. maybe a little bit inflated based upon last week's performance. Um, but yeah, I, I think... How do I be nice about this? The offensive line for Northwestern does not have Peter Skaronsky anymore. Mm-hmm. And yes, that... Northwestern likes to go fast and play tempo. Illinois played a little bit of tempo against Penn State a couple weeks ago. And you look what happened when Illinois felt like they started to get rushed a little bit, where their quarterback threw multiple interceptions. The Johnny Dixon interception, I think, is the best example of this. That's where I think, although Penn State's going to be on their heels, with how fast this defense is, I think there's going to be an opportunity for them to create a lot of havoc and a lot of turnovers. So... Northwestern can hurry up on the ball as much as they want, but if they can't realistically play, make Penn State play on their heels in, you know, in between the hashes, that's going to be an actual problem. Mm-hmm. Bill, do you think, so four turnovers has pretty much been the bar the last two weeks over or under here. Uh, I'll say three and a half. I'll, I'll say under just because that's really hard to keep yeah. doing. Uh, Law of averages thing. Yeah. But like, yeah, they're <laughs> with how they attack on this defense. Like, I, I think they should be able to go out there and make make a ton of plays. What, what is the most they have sacked a quarterback this year? I'm trying to trying to pull this up very quickly. Oh, I'm not sure offhand. It's nothing crazy. La- I mean, also, look at the way this... Yeah. Go ahead, Bill. Sorry. Season opener, uh, three sacks. Uh, second game of the season... Oh, that was against West Virginia. Second game of the season against Delaware... Uh, zero sacks. Again, they, they just got the ball out so quickly. I don't think they had much of a choice, chance there. Uh, Illinois, three sacks. Iowa, three sacks. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the number that ends up getting eclipsed more. I wouldn't be surprised if they have four-plus sacks in this game just because Bryant's not really much of a threat to throw the ball. Uh, I Run the ball, I don't know how much success they're going to have taking the top off of Penn State's defense. And I think Penn State's edges are just going to be able to pin their ears back and get after him because just the running game hasn't really been there uh, for Northwestern this season. So we won't do we won't do Penn State wins if Northwestern sure. wins if. I think it's I think it's a pretty similar script for both of us, Bill. Like you and I both, I think, look at this game through a very similar lens. So let's shift a little sure. bit. What's a first that's gonna happen in this game for both Penn State's offense and Penn State's defense? Hmm. For Penn State's offense, I think the first is going to be that's a wide. Re- uh, no, because Amari Evans, uh, Amari Evans and Malik McLean. But I would say one of Penn State's. Uh, I think Penn State has a new guy catch a touchdown pass out of his wide receiver group. Whether that's Trey Wallace, okay. Dante Cephas, uh, Liam Clifford, Caden Saunders. Uh, I think if Penn State does decide it wants to chat to try and 
get its passing game going a little bit, that's going to make things a little bit easier for one of those guys. You could put Theo Johnson in here if you want, and my hunch is your answer is going to be Theo Johnson catches a touchdown, but I'm going to... As much as I wanted to, Bill, I've been put, I've been saying that every week. I can't, I can't do it anymore. But I, I, I will say uh, one of the wide receivers who has yet to catch a touchdown this season is going to catch a touchdown. Okay, I like it. My pick is actually going to be a Penn State running back eclipse a th- 100 receiving yards in this game. Mm. That's going to be my pick. I think Penn State's going to try. I think it's going to be a sleepy game. I think once Aller and company attempt to take the top off a couple of times, you're going to have a safety playing back. And Penn State's you know running backs have slowly become more involved in this passing game as time has gone on. So that's going to be my pick on that one. A little bit of an outside-the-box one, but yeah. uh, I can't pick Theo Johnson to score because I've done it like the last four weeks. Sure. And, of course, now he's going to score. Um, if not, Tyler Warren will because he's number one overall pick. So, Bill, before we get out of here, give me, a, give me a final score prediction for this game. Penn State, Northwestern. Again, it's like a 27-point spread at time of recording. 11 a.m. local time kick in beautiful Evanston, Illinois. Yeah, I'm trying to look and see if I can find what uh... – what what our dear friend Bill Connolly has for, uh, for a projected score this week? Give me one second. I think it's a lot to a little. Yeah, it's a lot to a it's little. It's bigger than the spread. Uh, right now he has Penn State thirty nine to seven. Uh, so he has Penn State winning by uh twenty eight points. At the time he did it, the spread was twenty six. I think something. I, I think Penn State goes in and just tries to have a workman like performance. I. Don't think that they're going to go out there and necessarily try to run the score up or anything. Um, I would guess something like Penn State will go 38 Northwestern 14, but I don't think they're getting that for necessarily think they're getting that 14, you know, one on a drive where they're just able to get into a rhythm and then one late score, something like that. I'm, I like that pick. The 14, I think, is a very safe number. I think that for sure it's going to happen. And, like, I think Penn State turns the ball over this week. I just think law of averages. Like, at some point, it's going to come crashing down to earth. Um, I'd rather see it happen for the first time here and the team work through it than happen, like, against Ohio State in a couple weeks. Uh, And we're quickly running out of opportunities for it to happen before the Ohio State game. Um, But I'm going to go – I think Penn State rolls in this one. I think it's going to be a little bit sleepy – um, but overall, I think Penn State's going to come out focused. I think it's the, you know, the bye weeks on the horizon. Then you have UMass. I think it's quickly turned into, you know, hard hat lunch pail kind of time right now. We're just show up, get your job done and go have a great time for the next couple of weeks. So give me Penn State 30, 39. I don't know why. Give me Penn State 39. And I think they're going to blank them, Bill. Okay. After what I just saw coming off of Iowa, like, you know, it's it's never really a smart betters market to bet on a team to score zero points. But I think this Penn State defense, on top of the Iowa offense ineptitude, I think the Penn State defense is really finding their rhythm. And they're forcing turnovers at a really high rate. And the pass rush is having a lot of success. Yeah. So. I think it's. Uh, I think Manny Diaz and company have another fun act, fun outing. Yeah. This and, and one thing, so. one thing that I want to mention, make sure we mention before we, uh, before we send the fine folks off to the latter part of their week, is that I'm interested in basically two things. One, how Northwestern comes out after last week, because I truly don't know if they're going to come out fired up on all cylinders. They got that Big Ten win. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, they're playing for each other, blah, blah, blah. And they're playing, they come out heads on fire 
and really catches Penn State off guard, uh, even if Illinois should have been a sign that this is something that could potentially happen. Or the other side of this, because I don't, we haven't mentioned yet on this pod last year's game between Penn State and Northwestern, which happened in a monsoon in Happy Valley. Uh, Penn State had 360 yards of total offense. They lost four fumbles. Nick Singleton fumbled twice and lost both of them. Katron Allen fumbled once and lost one of them. Seven penalties for 55 yards. Like Penn State should have rolled them last year and just did not have that impressive of a performance. I'm a little bit interested to see how long, especially for Singleton, because Singleton got benched in that game because he could not stop fumbling the football. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how long his memory is because if he has a mm-hmm. game where he's really able to impose himself, you know, Katron Allen is a great, great running back. I love having him as the consistent metronome type. Singleton is the guy who raises the ceiling of the offense if he's really going, getting going out of the backfield. So I want to see if this is a game where he has a bit of a long memory and he's able to make some stuff happen that, um, that remind you why he is such a talented football player. Yeah, I think that's that's all. That's a really good point. I think the Singleton aspects I considered, you know, this kind of being that anniversary of the first time he really ran into trouble, probably yeah. in his you know football career yeah. ever. That's a that's an interesting dynamic. Bill, anything else before we send the folks off into uh, into Northwestern week? Uh, where should they go? So, uh, if you were a long time listener of the podcast, you know that Matt lives uh, in lovely Chicago, Illinois, one of the best cities in the in, in these United States of America. Anyone who has ever been to Chicago loves it. Anyone who hasn't been to Chicago should change that as soon as possible. So, Matt, if a listener is going to Chicago, uh, going to – one, Chicago and Evanston are very different places. I know you live in Chicago, and therefore – They are wildly and, different And therefore, places. I need to say that because if you say Evanston is sh- Chicago to the wrong person, they get really mad at you. Where would you recommend the people spend, uh, spend their time be- uh, before the game and after? So early kick, it makes it a little bit tough, but the purple line will take you right up there. If you're coming into town on Friday, I got a ton of great recommendations. If you're going to do pizza, Chicago Deep Dish, for me, not my favorite, but Pequod's Pizza in Lincoln Park. They have another spot, I think in Morton Grove in the suburbs, if you're staying out that way. But Pequod's Pizza, get it tavern style. It is the best pizza in the city, bar none. If you watched The Bear, uh, that's the place that Richie goes to, uh, to give that fancy dining group of people what a weird way to say tavern Um, tavern style is like the insanely ultra thin crust stuff correct and it's also cut into square into square yeah Mm -hmm. that's great uh bird's nest wings in lincoln park uh they always win best wings in the city uh and they deliver every single time it's not too far from depaul's campus uh if you're gonna take the train jump off at the fullerton stop the red line the brown line the purple line i'll stop there that's a good spot if you're gonna you know the white Sox are in town if you're looking mm. to go to a baseball game socks are trash but cool stadium you know not far from the red line uh in the pilsen neighborhood on the southwest side is the uh this is a mexican neighborhood and they have some awesome awesome food pilsen yards is a great beer garden it's gonna be great weather uh, and then if you're going north uh there's a ton of great breweries in ravenswood uh which is a neighborhood on the far north side but realistically i understand a lot of people from out of town are gonna want to hang out around wrigley field even though the cubs are away Wrigley is a much younger crowd, you know, have a great time, enjoy yourself, the batting cages are a great time at Sluggers, but Murphy's Bleachers is really fun right by the stadium, and then off the beaten path a little bit, not off the beaten path, but away from the main drag, there is a bar called Sheffield's with a great outdoor beer garden, 
that has some really, really good wings as well. Uh, that's a spot I actually used to live right by, uh, and it was one of my absolute favorite places to stop by. So good crowd, nice people. Cubs being out of town probably takes some of the energy out of Wrigley, but it's still a fun area. And if you have any more questions or you want more recs, again, uh, some of you already reached out, but feel free to you know DM me over on Twitter or tweet at the blog, so, and I'll uh, be happy to, two, two, to send more your two way. Two quick things. Uh, one, uh, Matt didn't say it. You should go to Al's, and you should get a sandwich. I waited for you, Bill, because I knew you, you were going to recommend that, too. Al's. Uh, Al's beef, Al's is, beef is unbelievable. And then two, uh, you mentioned the bear. For fans of the bear, where do they have to go to eat at the place from the show? That's the original beef in River okay. North. So if you're staying in downtown Chicago, not downtown, a little bit north of the Loop, River North, uh, that's where you're going to want to go. But I think Al's Beef, I'm an Al's Beef uh, purist. Al's Beef makes some of my favorite sandwiches in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to go, don't be overwhelmed. They're gonna be, it's going to be just a weird environment. Get your sandwich dipped, not wet, mm -hmm. is my best advice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm very upset that I cannot make it uh, this weekend. Like I said, Chicago is one of my favorite places in the country. Every Everyone who has ever talked junk on Chicago has never been there and seen how great Chicago is. Never been is. there. No, it is an no unbelievable no city. I, it's so fun. Yeah, it, it's a blast. I hope everyone who goes to this game has fun. And then, uh, yeah, after that, Matt, we just got – we're – we need to figure something out for the bye week. So if you are if you are one of our listeners uh, on Spotify, use that Q and A feature that they have and submit questions for us, so we can have stuff to talk about going into the bye week, and then maybe a little bit uh, ahead of Penn State's game against Massachusetts coming out of it. I, that, that is my spiel for the end. I now hand the reins over to Matt to send you into the weekend. Thank you so much for listening. This, Bill, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, leave a comment. We always have a great time interacting with you guys. Be sure to be cool down there in the comment section. YouTube comment sections can be weird places and don't make this one of them. Be sure to follow us out there on Twitter over at RLRblog. We're always tweeting during the game. Bill, I think you're on Twitter this week. I was tweeting last week Gosh. during the game. You got the reins this Should week? Be. Very good. So be sure to follow along for Bill's thoughts on the game. I'll probably tweet from time to time in the actual... Oh, yeah, I'm going to this game. Did I say that? Yeah, I'm going to be taking the train up there uh, with friend of the show, Stanley. So I'm very much so looking forward uh, to going to see my Nittany Lions in person for the second time this year. And, you know, if you're there, enjoy the game. Have a great time. And again, thank you so much for listening. For my co-host, Bill DeFilippo, I'm Matt Lovovitz. Take care, everyone, and go State.